Welcome to the LearCast by Lear Capital, the precious metals leader. With over $3 billion in trusted transactions, the LearCast aims to keep you informed and aware of precious metals news and events affecting the economy, the dollar, and your savings. Visit our website at learcapital.com. And now, here is your host, Rachel Mills. Welcome, welcome. Today's date is July 24th, 2023. Let's take a look at the financial market updates for the day. The Dow Jones Industrial Average closed at 35,411, showing a gain of 183 points, or 0.5%. In terms of other commodities, gold fell $9.90 to $1,956.70 per ounce, representing a decrease of 0.5%. Additionally, Bitcoin encountered a decline of 3.32% falling by almost $1,000 to $29,142. Moving on to last week's top articles that grabbed people's attention from various financial sources. The first article is from Zero Hedge, titled, Massive U.S. Oil Caverns Are Now Empty Will Take Decades to Refill Thanks to Biden. This article highlights concerns over the depletion of U.S. oil reserves and suggests that it will take a significant amount of time to replenish them. It emphasizes the role of President Biden in this situation. The second article, shared by Benzinga, warns about a serious global financial crisis that is predicted to occur due to skyrocketing levels of debt. The article quotes Jim Rogers, who claims this impending crisis will be the worst seen in his lifetime. The focus is on the alarming increase in debt levels and the potential consequences. The third article, featured on CNBC, reports that gold made a notable advancement of over 1%. The reason behind this increase is attributed to traders placing their bets on the Federal Reserve's possible decision to pause or slow down certain monetary policies. The article emphasizes the connection between gold prices and the actions of the Federal Reserve. That wraps up the overview of top articles from last week. Visit learcapital.com and subscribe to our newsletter to read next week's articles first. And now we have our interview section. This week I interviewed my friend Liz Reitzig of the Nourishing Liberty podcast, We talked all about food security, which I thought was pretty useful with storm season upon us. She had some amazing tips for feeding your family in short-term and medium-term crises like power outages or storms, things I never would have thought of. Take a listen. All right. Well, welcome to the LearCast, Liz Reitzig. I'm so excited to have you on the podcast today. Tell our uh, listeners a little bit about yourself and uh, your podcast Well, first of all, Rachel, thanks so much for having me on. My name is Liz Reitzig, and I have a podcast called Nourishing Liberty, and it is all about our food systems and how we fit into them, including topics covering food security and looking at our food system, how it interacts with our economy. I also cover these topics on my Substack page, which is Raw Milk Mama. You can find a lot of content over there about my journey with raw milk for my family and broader food security issues. So if people were searching for you on Substack, Mama is spelled M-A-M-A? That is correct. Yes. And it's also my name, Liz Reitzig. Cool. Awesome. Well, I've known Liz for a long time, and she is a fantastic activist for natural foods And that's why I wanted to have her on the podcast today. We 
are approaching hurricane season. And in some parts of the country, we are thinking about generators and short-term power outages. And in a broader sense, I think a lot of people interested in precious metals are also interested in food security, not just financial security, but all kinds of security and planning and prepping and getting ready for the great unknown. And so I thought your insight on the topic of food security would be fantastic for our listeners. And you always come up with the most insightful things that I never, never would have thought of. So really interested in your thoughts today on what people can do for short-term and medium-term food security issues. So have at it, Liz. What do you think? What are what are your top tips? Yeah, Rachel, this is a great topic because it is something that comes up in our lives frequently, even if we're not in a hurricane zone. So we're going to cover today the top three tips for food security in a short-term crisis. Mm-hmm. And as you mentioned, people are expecting a storm. You know, you head to the grocery store. Everything's gone by the time you get there. What mm-hmm. do you do or how do you plan ahead for that? And there's also supply chain challenges, high inflation, and we're looking at, in some places, at sometimes food sh- shortages. So what do you do when you need to keep your family fed? And Rachel, right. I want to preface all of this by saying we're going to assume for the purposes of this discussion that you already have your water situation figured out. Yeah. So we're not going to tackle that. If you don't get that figured out ASAP, Right. Yeah, that's a whole other topic, but that's critically important. It is critically important. That's not our focus for this discussion. We're going to cover the top three tips, and here they are, and then we'll get into them individually. Okay. Know the foods your family will eat that do not need refrigeration or cooking. So that's number one, knowing what your family will eat. The second one is four specific shelf-stable foods that will get you through any short-term crisis. Okay. And then the third topic is eat healthy fats and a lot of them. Okay. So, so this is kind one, of the, the opposite of my uh, diet that I'm on right now, which is a lot of fresh foods and um, cutting back on fat. <laughs> this is kind of the opposite. We're in the opposite mindset. So go ahead with number one. Yeah. So knowing the best items that your family will eat that do not need refrigeration or cooking and still provide flavor and nutrition. So Rachel, no one loves eating dried foods that taste like cardboard. Not all the time. Freeze-dried meals are (laughs) a popular resource in some areas, but they're also notorious for providing questionable nutrition and the quality can vary widely. So you can either invest a lot in food of questionable quality and flavor that you have to store for years, or you can choose specific items that are easy to rotate through your pantry or fridge to keep them fresh. Examples of this are nuts, seeds, dried fruits, and fermented veggies. So these are items that you'd have in your daily diet anyway, and then you just keep back stock on hand to get you through three to 10 days of whatever short-term crisis you're looking at. That's a good point because you might fill your pantry with stuff like this and kind of set it aside. And then when you need it, it's like spoiled and it takes those things a long time to spoil, but you can forget about something for several years. And then when you need it, 
So exactly. the, the <laughs> rotation tip is a good one too. So keep going. Yeah. So, so keep it with things that you all eat anyway. And that, you know, if you have kids in the house, you know, that kids can sometimes be picky. So what you want to do is keep it stocked with things, you know, that they'll eat. So you, there's no big argument or big hassle when it comes to that emergency. Mm-hmm. You can also buy in large quantities and split up the excess. So if we lived closer together, Rachel, we might go in on a 50 pound bag of whatever and then split right. it between us, right? Because uh-huh. that, that can help save on cost. And I know everybody's really conscious of price points right now and what can they get for the best price. And this is an investment. You're really investing yeah. in your family and in the quality of life that you're going to experience should you face this kind of emergency. Right. And so medium level here is you can start growing some fruit and nut trees on your property. This is a great way to have access to resources at your fingertips and to invest in something that's going to keep giving you returns, right? If you invest in a fruit or nut tree, it's going to keep providing for you year after year. Yeah. And the right kind of fruit you can can and it'll be shelf stable. You can do that yourself. You can dry it too. And that's That's the next thing on this particular tip is that you want to look at those dried fruits and possibly dried vegetables that your family will eat in a crisis. So you've got nuts, seeds, dried fruits and veggies. And then, uh, of course, uh, we want to talk about water separately, right? So you have all of those things on hand. And the other item is fermented veggies. Now, this might be a new topic to some people, mm-hmm. but when you think about traditional sauerkraut, for example, when the harvest came in, they needed to use it and preserve it right away. And what did you do when you had hundreds of cabbages that all needed to be processed in a week? You made sauerkraut or in other Cause cultures. Because there's no refrigeration and, you know, days gone by when sauerkraut was invented. <laughs> Yeah, quite limited refrigeration, right? Yeah. So it's sauerkraut in some places, kimchi in some places, curtido. You have all of this variety depending on where you are. So you don't have to stick with one flavor. You can have multiple flavors of fermented veggies. You have different veggies in there. So find what you like, find what your family likes, and and get that product. Now, the caveat here is most fermented vegetables do need to be refrigerated most of the time. But should the electricity go out, they are fine for two to three days out, and they're going to be jam-packed with vitamin C and with probiotics that we need. Mm -hmm. So it's great to add some of those in to whatever nuts and dried fruit you're having. Okay. So two or three days without refrigeration and your jar of kimchi or fermented veggies is fine. That's good to know. Yeah. And then it doesn't need to be cooked. So the other key thing here is unless you have a grill (laughs) and you're going to be grilling every day, none of these things need to be cooked. If electricity is out, chances are other things are minimal as well. And, you know, Rachel, last year, just one year ago, my whole neighborhood experienced a horrible storm where tons of trees came down and covered Mm -hmm. our yard. So even though many of us have grills or fire pits in our yards, we couldn't use them. Our yards were inaccessible. So we were dealing with no electricity and and no access to fire cooking. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> we had to get really creative there. 
So these are ways to get around some of those components. Or maybe you're in a zone where fires are not advisable certain times of the year. Yeah, we've seen a lot of uh, widespread forest fires that get out of control. So, yeah. So, yeah, it's good to have options that don't require your backyard grill. Yes. So those are all things you can stock up on, rotate on, and then the add value in the case of that crisis or emergency. Now, the second thing, Rachel, is a is an acronym, and it's HOOP, all right? And that Oop. stands for honey, honey, oatmeal, mm-hmm. oil, and peanut butter. HOOP, honey, oatmeal, oil, and peanut butter. Yes. And okay. when you look at those, they're all shelf-stable. Honey will last literally thousands of years. Oatmeal. They found it in the pyramids, haven't they? Haven't they found honey? Yeah. (laughs) And it's still good. (laughs) And it's still good. So of course that implies that you're actually getting real honey. So make sure your source for honey is actually honey from bees and not cut with anything else or corn syrup or anything like that. You want real honey. And then oatmeal, of course, is dried and will last a very long time. Now your oil, you want to go with either coconut oil, which is extremely shelf stable and really high in saturated healthy fats or olive oil. You want to avoid the processed vegetable and seed oils. Okay. And then peanut butter. And of course, replace peanut butter with almond butter or cashew or sunflower butter, but one of those stable high fat, high protein nut or seed butters, because that's going to get you really far. And with these four ingredients, you can mix them up. You can make those little breakfast bars. You can add in some of your dried fruits. So you're going to have really healthy, high-calorie, nutrient-dense snacks to get you through anything. Fantastic. And you mix them up to your own liking. Never would have thought of that. Never would have thought of that. This This is why we're friends. (laughs) (laughs) And this is great for kids because kids will enjoy this. I mean, add however much honey you need to, they'll be, they'll appreciate that sweet treat and it's still good for them. Also, when you have honey on hand, and when I talk about honey, like think gallon or (laughs) five gallon bucket of honey. Yes, this is an investment, but honey is so versatile. It's so healthy. In crises, you can use it as a skin ointment. It's an antibiotic. Honey, has such a reduced amount of water in it that it is naturally antimicrobial. Wow. So it's because, great to have some on hand all the time. Because of the water content, like it dehydrates microbes or something? Well, they just can't survive in it. So the, the bees themselves reduce it to 18, 17 to 18% uh, moisture. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, it's That's pretty awesome. impressive. <laughs> so think of honey hey. as this multi-use uh, component that you can add in as as a, it can go on your uh, first aid shelf and it can go in your pantry and, and it's an emergency food supply. It literally lasts forever. <laughs> well, thousands of years, sounds like close right. enough to forever to me. And it changes the foods that you're eating, right? It adds that little bit of sweetness so that boring thing isn't so boring anymore or kids will eat the heck out of it when you add it to things. Sure, It's they one will. of those things that you can keep on hand for so many reasons. Okay, and nice. finally, the third thing is that you want to focus on high-fat foods 
and 12 or more hours between meals in a crisis. And that's to make your food last longer, right? But it's also because the way our metabolisms work is that we will take in those high fat foods and use that fat for energy right away. And then our livers actually give us 24 hours approximately of stored energy immediately that we can use. So if you're in that crisis, you can think about calmly, I have enough food, I have enough stores. You don't need to panic. It sets you in a different mindset so that you don't feel like there's this terrible emergency that you can't get through and you have to panic and get to the store. You can be calm in knowing that you've taken appropriate steps to prepare and you're covered. That's so important not to panic. Yeah. And and actually there's a lot of research that shows that when we are having higher fat foods, we are calmer. Oh, wow. And that yeah. being said, I do want to put in the caveat that we're talking about healthy fats like coconut oil, right. animal fats, egg yolks, uh, lard, which is pork fat, olive oil, none of the refined processed vegetables. Not little oils. Debbie cakes. About the healthy. <laughs> Not those. No, exactly. <laughs> so it, it does help to keep you calm. And butter, of course, Rachel. How can I not mention butter mm-hmm. in general? Oh, that and is eggs. One of the healthy fats. eggs. Yeah. Um, that's that's one of my tips for medium food security is backyard chickens, and they can provide a renewable resource for for protein and fat. So if you got your backyard yes. chickens, you're you're set for protein and and healthy fats for for a little while, at least. And I think in most emergencies, backyard chickens will do great. If you are in the midst of a terrible hurricane or in that area or a Mm. wildfire zone or a tornado zone, probably you need to rely on things other than your chickens because depending on the severity, they might not be there either, right? Yeah, you might even want to consider bringing them inside and closing them in, in a bathroom or something to keep them protected. Yes, but but eggs are extremely stable. If they're not washed, you know, they will last for a couple of months on your countertop. Without refrigeration. That's what a lot of people don't know is if you leave the eggs out overnight, don't worry. Yeah. They're actually pretty shelf stable. And you can eat them raw. Some people don't love it, but you can. It's perfectly (laughs) healthy for us to eat them raw. Wow. So Rachel, there you go. That is the top three tips for food security in a short-term crisis. Number one, knowing ahead of time what foods do not need refrigeration or cooking and keeping those on hand. Mm-hmm. Number two, remember your hoop, honey, hoop. Oatmeal, oatmeal, oil, oil, and, and peanut, peanut butter. butter. Yes. Nice. If you and... get those four ingredients, you'll be in a better position than most. And number okay. three, Eat as high fat as you can until you know when the crisis will end. That is so insightful, Liz. I appreciate that so much. Thank you so much for uh, helping out our listeners here on the LearCast. Tell us again once more about your podcast and where people can find you if they want more fabulous tips from Liz Reitzig. Well, Rachel, thank you so much. And I know that this is a really important investment for a lot of people to have that peace of mind, to have that quality of life. I know how important it is to people. 
So the Nourishing Liberty podcast is available on Spotify and Apple, and you can find us online at nourishingliberty.com. And of course, the Substack, where I publish weekly about our food systems and food security, is Raw Milk Mama on Substack, or my name, lizreitzig.substack.com. Tell us a little bit, just put you on the spot, what are some topics that you've covered recently on Nourishing Liberty? Just to give them an idea what they'll find. Okay. I cover raw milk quite a bit, and I talk about the context of how is has this wonderful food that humans have relied on for millennia become this vilified substance. So you're going to learn about the history of it, the health benefits, why it matters. And we talk about community food security. So mm-hmm. today we've been discussing household food security. And on the Substack, I write about community food security. So this means like, how are we looking at the farms in our community? How are we viewing our food production practices and how we acquire food? How does that fit into our lives? And one of my favorite topics, and I I get into it every few weeks, is about the economics of food sourcing. And so Mm. recently I've written about uh, living capital. So this is when you exchange your financial capital for things that live like trees and animals. And how does that add quality and value to your life? So it's a a slightly different lens, a different perspective of looking at our economy and our lives and what we value. And I've learned a lot about um, short supply chains from you as well and your podcast. So, well, thank you again, Liz, and I'll talk to you soon. Thank you, Rachel. Thanks for those ideas, Liz. Again, she's at Raw Milk Mama on Substack, and her Nourishing Liberty podcast offers keen insights into our food systems from a natural perspective. And now for our weekly commentary, how a new gold-backed BRICS currency could hurt savers. One of the great privileges of controlling and printing a global reserve currency is the ability to export one's inflation to the rest of the globe. If every country on the planet needs your currency to transact, there is almost insatiable demand for it. The observed pattern of history is that reserve currency owners eventually decrease their production of manufactured or agricultural goods and instead transition to allowing other countries to provide all that for them in exchange for the dollars they need. It works out pretty well for them for a time, but no reserve currency lasts forever. Reserve currency regimes crumble for various reasons, but there is one root problem. The temptations associated with the power of the monetary printing press are too great. That power is always eventually abused leading to its downfall and a reorganization of the global economy. We've seen many abuses associated with the U.S. dollar, and the weaponization of the dollar against Russia and others may be the final straw. The BRICS bloc of countries, Brazil, Russia, India, China, and South Africa, have announced official talks about setting up a new currency in August. There are indications it will be backed, at least partially, with gold. The backing and structure of the currency is just one challenge. There are other challenges, and not to say that this will be easy, otherwise it would have been a fait accompli by now. But the motivation for these countries is nothing short of existential. It is fairly safe to say that if these countries can figure out a way to make a BRICS gold-backed currency happen, it eventually will. It may not dethrone the dollar completely, but many experts are saying it could split the global economy into a more bipolar structure rather than a U.S. dollar-centric one. Will it happen or not? 
That remains to be seen, but the efforts are full speed ahead, so it is worthwhile to consider the implications for savers and retirees here in the U.S., and they could be quite serious. 1. Price Inflation First and foremost, if the level of international demand for U.S. dollars we are used to declines precipitously, but our politicians keep churning them out, or worse, accelerate the churn, they are likely to stay here and chase goods here at home, increasing prices. 2. Dollar Repatriation Dollars already abroad could flow back to the U.S., exacerbating the problem, chasing goods here at home, increasing prices. 3. Trade deficits widen. There will be less incentive for the manufacturers of the world to produce goods for U.S. dollars, leaving us with fewer imported goods to buy, which would likely increase prices. 4. Wage adjustment lag. In theory, wages and yields are supposed to adjust with inflation, but they always lag and never seem to keep up with rapidly increasing prices. This will impact retirees living on investment income, social security payments, and other fixed income sources the most. And they will have the least flexibility in devising alternate streams of income. 5. Savings could quickly evaporate. With all the price increases, savers could see their nest eggs quickly absorbed at the grocery stores, just paying for normal day-to-day -day items. Can you imagine $300 for a gallon of milk? $10,000 for your normal shopping cart of food? How long could anyone's savings hold out after significant price increases like that? 6. Gold demand. If there was an actual gold-backed currency again, gold prices might be one of the bright spots and one of the only assets able to keep up with inflation and likely surpass. Gold would probably be one strong defensive holding that would greatly soften the blow during a chaotic adjustment period. 7. Massive wealth transfer. Real tangible wealth in the form of gold could begin to flow out of this country in exchange for consumable and depreciating goods. Over time, this could be devastating and extremely difficult to reverse. They would end up with all the gold, and we'd be left with broken-down washing machines and obsolete computers to show for it. Sound like a nightmare scenario? It could be, and that is why many experts like Robert Kiyosaki are jumping up and down sounding the alarm bells about this. Will the U.S. look like a third-world country in 20 years because of events unfolding today? Only time will tell, but owning precious metals now could be your best defense against these anti-dollar moves. That's all for today. Be sure and subscribe to this podcast, and we would love it if you shared with friends. And if it's time for you to add precious metals to your portfolio, please call 800-816-5452. Again, that's 800-816-5452. This has been the Lear Cast, a Lear Capital production. Thank you for listening.